As you're seated, smile at somebody, tell them you're looking good this Sunday morning. This is a good day. It's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. I'll tell you what, just for a second there, as we were sharing that declaration, I have to tell you, it almost felt like we were at a concert. As I was looking, I noticed that so many people anymore have their Bibles on their phones. I mean, it just looked like they were, that's all right though, praise the Lord. Aren't you glad you can take your Bible with you anywhere you go anymore? It's easy because it's right there and we have it accessible. Well, this morning we go to the book of 2 Kings and we're going to be reading in chapters 18 and 19, but we're gonna just start off to set this scene in first, excuse me, 2 Kings chapter 18, verse number one. This is how it begins. In the third year of Hosea, son of Elah, king of Israel, Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, became king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother's name was Abijah, daughter of Zechariah. Now listen carefully. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. He removed the high places, smashed the sacred stones, and cut the Asherah poles. He broke into pieces the bronze snake Moses had made, For up to that time, the Israelites had been burning incense to it. It was called Nehushtan. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. Like this next part. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept the commands the Lord had given Moses, and the Lord was with him. Can I tell you, when you choose to follow God, the Lord will be with you. Come on, that's a promise we see throughout Scripture. If you draw close to God, he will draw close to you. Let's go a little bit further. And the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. From watchtower to fortified city, he defeated the Philistines as far as Gaza, and its territory. Now today as we wrap up our series entitled Believe, and next week we will start uh, a series of messages entitled War Footing, and I'm looking forward to that because I believe we're going to learn some things about how to approach this, uh, this time that we live in. But today we're getting to the end of this series talking about allowing the principles of God to really abide in our hearts. We should have by now answered a couple of questions. Do you believe that God is who he says he is? Also, do you believe that God can do what he said he can do? You see, we're going to look at this man, Hezekiah, a king. Often we read about people like this in scripture and we think of them as as being very different from us. They lived centuries ago, and because he was a king, he, he must have been different. But can I tell you that Scripture records that we are in all the same way, go through life, and we encounter the same types of temptations, the same types of struggles. It tells us in verses 5 and 6 some interesting things about Hezekiah. It says, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. I want to just say today, you are one of a kind. 
There's no one exactly like you. And whether or not you stand like a bright and shining sentinel of truth or, or whether you really are, do not fulfill the purpose God has given to you, there's never going to be anybody just like you. God created you uniquely. And if you fulfill your purpose, people can look at you and say, there was no one like them who followed God before them or after them. They were unique. They were one of a kind. We also see, though, it says that he held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept the commands the Lord had given him. You know, sometimes in life, we don't understand why people do what they do. Has anybody said, you know, I, I do not understand people. I've given up on trying to understand them fully. Kind of reminds me of, of a, a young man who went with his dad to one of the great uh, galleries, art galleries in London, and in it, they were going and seeing all sorts of uh, famous and wonderful paintings. And it was Titan's famous painting of the scene at Bethlehem. And the boy said, Dad, why is, is the baby laying in straw in such a crudely made cradle? And the father looked at the picture and looked at his son. And he said, well, son, they were very, very poor. And his son continued gazing at the portrait and he said well if they were so poor how could they afford to have this picture painted by such an expensive artist right and it's like I don't get it doesn't make sense to me you know sometimes in life we look at our lives do you ever look at your life and say life isn't making sense to me I'm struggling to understand well I want you to understand that in the life of Hezekiah he chose to do the right thing and in front of each of us today, we, we really all have a choice. We have a choice to, to do the right thing and to follow God and to believe that God is big enough or to, to fall to fear and to lapse back into some of the things that we have struggled with in the past. Now, we see about Hezekiah, we know that his father's name was King Ahaz. Ahaz, let me just tell you, was a miserable example we don't have time to go into all the details about his life. We'll read a few verses just to give us context. But King Ahaz was a, a man who, who struggled with not following God. He compromised and he was abusive to his family. It tells us in 2 Kings chapter 16, a couple chapters before, verses 2, 3, and 4, it says Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem 16 years. Unlike David, his father, he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He followed the ways of the kings of Israel and even sacrificed his son in the fire, engaging in the detestable practices of the nation the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. He offered sacrifices and burned incense at the high places, on the hilltops, and under every spreading tree. And so we get a picture of Hezekiah's dad, King Ahaz, and he was a man, we don't have time to read about it, but he went and even copied the things that other foreign gods, well, they did with their altars, and he brought them into the temple, and, and he sacrificed, it says, his son in the, in the, and burned uh, them in the fires, maybe even killing him and offering him as a burnt sacrifice. We don't know all the details of, of the context of that read, but we know he gave himself to evil. But let me tell you something. It does not matter what your family background was like. It doesn't matter if somebody before you made mistakes. Let me tell you, you have a chance today to be all that God has called you to be. 
Hezekiah's life was not determined by what King Ahaz had done. He didn't have a good example, but it didn't matter. Every person in this room is personally responsible for yourself. You can't blame your upbringing, your neighborhood, your education, your lack of education, the money that you were born into, the lack of money that you were born to. You can't blame any of those things or credit any of those things. Let me tell you, you are responsible. God holds you responsible for you. And we see something that Hezekiah does to be unique and different. And there's a great promise that God has given to all of us. Think about what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. I love this verse. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. Isn't that good? How many of you know with Jesus, the new is here? You aren't who you used to be. Anybody say praise the Lord to that? You aren't who you used to be. You're new. You're a new creation. God has done something dynamic in your life. So Hezekiah lived in a time that we would describe to be very difficult geopolitically. He lived in a time when the Assyrians were the, the powerful force in the earth. We would, would go back in history. You could see that really they were one of the first major superpowers. They dominated that region and they were a cruel and harsh and, and really a mean people. We could read in the word of God how that they had come against Samaria. And about this same time had conquered Samaria and taken the ten northern tribes captive. And, and in that captivity, much of the ten northern tribes was lost. And yet Hezekiah said, I believe God. Can I tell you, friends, it doesn't matter what's going on in our world. You can either choose to, to believe that things are going on in the world, or you can choose to believe God. Well, let's go a little step further. You can choose to believe Facebook, or you can choose to believe God. Oh, you can choose to, to believe the news, or you can choose to believe God. Isn't that right? And Hezekiah looked around, and, and he saw the destruction, and he saw the things that were happening. And he said, you know, as for me, kind of like Joshua said, as for me, I'm going to serve the Lord, and I'm going to do all that I can to lead this nation into serving God. And so it tells us in another passage it describes him in 2 Chronicles chapter 29, verses 3 through 5, it says, in the first year of his reign, in the first month. Look at somebody say, first year? First month. One more time, first year? First month. So it says, in the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. Then he brought in the priests and the Levites and gathered them in the square and said to them, hear me, Levites, now sanctify yourselves, sanctify the house of the Lord your God, of your fathers, and carry out the rubbish from the holy place. You know, it's interesting. If we start doing our own thing, we start gaining a lot of trash and rubbish in our lives. Isn't it true that even societies become dirty and filled with garbage when they allow themselves to depart from the truths of God? We start finding garbage on the TV, garbage on the radio, garbage in our minds. But let's take it even a step further. Have you noticed that when people get far from God, things begin to decay? I, I think it's one of the great struggles in our society right now, the amount of urban decay going on all around us. How many of you noticed that our cities have become very dirty? 
Now, I'm not just talking about Albuquerque. Albuquerque is relatively clean compared to a lot of places. But how many of you have noticed that all of a sudden we're starting to have problems with syringes, needles, people that have, if you read a lot of the headlines, some terrible things where human refuse is found on the street where you're seeing all sorts of garbage that is piling the street. And most all of those things are connected to people being bound up in addictions and sin. What does it bring? It piles up the rubbish. So the first thing that Hezekiah said in the first month of the first year, he said, we've got to clean this up. We've got to start doing things differently because what we're doing isn't working. Can I tell you? In our society in general, what we're doing isn't working. Sin has never worked and it will never work. In the midst of all of these things, though, God blessed him. And I want you to read a little bit more about Hezekiah in chapter 18, verses 7 and 8, because this will make you smile. It says in verses 7 and 8, the Lord was with him. Look at your neighbor say, the Lord was with him. He prospered wherever he went. Look at somebody say, he prospered. And he rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. He subdued the Philistines as far as Gaza and its territory from watchtower to fortified city. Now, here's something that's interesting. If you honor God, God will honor you. Interesting principle. You cannot outrun the blessings of God. Come on now. Scripture says, whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. Isn't that in the Bible? He that sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he that sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Now, certainly those are eternal principles, but let me tell you, they're also physical principles that if you sow good seeds, God has promised that he will bless you with blessings in your life. You cannot outrun the blessings of God. And so Hezekiah begins to serve God. We don't have time to read all the scriptures, but it shows us that he was living blessed. But there's a second thing I want you to understand, and this is called simply arrogance. Because the arrogance that we see is tied to many things that we see in society today. I don't want anybody in this room to to ever believe, never expect everyone to get on board with doing what's right. Never expect the masses to support God's plan for humanity. Never expect more people to desire to honor God more than themselves. Most people are going to be selfish. Hello? Pastor Stephen Furtick said, even Batman has a joker, and the greater life God has promised you isn't coming without a fight. Can I tell you, there's always going to be somebody who rises up to oppose truth and righteousness. In the days of Hezekiah, we've already described that there was a formidable enemy on the earth. It was the Assyrians. They defeated many peoples. They'd taken captive the northern tribes of Israel. They deported their people. Now the Assyrians were threatening righteous King Hezekiah and the city of Jerusalem. And as you go to chapter number 19 still in that passage, let's go to verses 9, 10, and 11. We begin to, to hear of a message that was sent to Hezekiah. And it says this. So he again, speaking of, the, of Shennacherib, who was the king of Assyria through his, through his emissaries. So he again sent messengers to Hezekiah saying, Thus you shall speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah, saying, Do not let your God in whom you trust deceive you. Can I tell you Satan always wants to tell you that God's trying to deceive you? Don't let him deceive you. 
saying, Jerusalem shall not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Look, you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the lands by utterly destroying them. And you, and shall you be delivered? What does he do? He mocks them and he says, don't believe what God has promised you. How many of you know that Satan is whispering those same lies to you today? Don't believe what God's promised you. Anybody in this room received a promise from God? Oh, I believe it's more than five people. Come on now. Anybody in this room, truly, God has spoken to you a promise over your life. If that's you, raise your hand. Has Satan lied to you about your promise? Has he told you it could never happen? How many of you have ever heard it whispered in your ear, this is never going to happen? I can raise my hand. Has anybody ever heard Satan say to you, it's not possible, that wasn't God? Right? You see, Satan has been the same all throughout time trying to deceive people. And so this king sends an emissary and says to Hezekiah, I don't want you to believe the lie, Hezekiah. People are telling you that Jerusalem will be saved, but I want you to look at the facts. Can I tell you that God is bigger than human facts? He's bigger than than human understanding. Often people get pretty full of themselves. Wasn't it just a few years ago that people said, you know, we need to, people need to get over holding on to their religion, onto, onto their God, onto other things. They, they need to understand that we're more enlightened than we used to be. We're more progressive than we used to be. We're smarter than we used to be. Can I tell you that God is the one who knows the beginning and the end? And anybody who raises up their fist and says, I know better than God, is a fool. And God will judge their foolishness. Well, in the midst of all these things that begin to develop in this passage, many people will say, even today, I don't need God. I can do it my own way, thank you very much. And the Assyrians said, we are a big time threat. Nobody gets in our way. You know, people say the same thing today. How many of you have heard people, oh, maybe they get up at the Emmys or the Tonys or whatever the Bolognese might be next, and they'll say, you know, I've got this all figured out. And then they'll give you a lecture about how they think you should live your life. Can I tell you, there's a lot of foolishness in our world. There's a lot of people who are going to tell you that they know best. But let me say, the word of God is the source of truth. And if you will follow God, God will honor you in your life. He will honor you and he will multiply his blessings upon you. As we look at this, the people say, I don't need God. I'm too big for God. I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. They'll say things like, faith is for losers. Religion is for the weak. And in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 35, this is what, what they were saying to the people in Jerusalem. They said, who among all the gods of the lands have delivered their countries from my hand that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem from my hand? We're bigger than you think we are, Hezekiah. You think anybody else could stand against us? No. You think you're any different? No. How many of you understand that's what Satan's whispering today? You think that you can really stand for God? Come on. You really believe that you can believe in the things of the Bible and of the things of God's uh, word? No. That's what Satan would lie to you. This attitude of arrogance sometimes brings fear into believers, and you have to ask yourself, do you believe God and that God can do what God said he can do? 
How many in this room today need God to do what he said he would do? Come on, that's probably everybody. How many of you need God to do what he said he'd do in your life? That's all of us, all of us. So it says in 2 Kings chapter 19, verses 22 through 23, and also 27 through 29, let's read it, that they began to try to intimidate. Let me tell you, Satan tries to intimidate us through his arrogance. Whom have you reproached and blasphemed? We begin to hear. Against whom have you raised your voice? God begins to respond. And lifted up your eyes on high. Against the Holy One of Israel. By your messengers you have reproached the Lord and said, By the multitude of my chariots, I have come up to the heights of the mountains, to the limits of Lebanon. I will cut its tall timbers and its choice cypress trees. I will enter the extremity of its borders to its fruitful forest. Go to verse 27. But I know your dwelling place, God says. You're going out and you're coming in. And your rage against me. Because you rage against me and your tumult have come up to my ears. Therefore, I will put my hook in your nose and my bridle in your lips. And I will turn you back by the way by which you came. And this message comes to King Hezekiah from the prophet Isaiah saying to him, I don't want you to be afraid, Hezekiah, because God is going to bring you through this. Now, that's a powerful message that we need to understand today. Do you know that God hears the arrogance of foolish people? That it rises up into his throne room and God takes note of sin. And when people begin to become arrogant and to become foolish, to be filled with pride, God says, I will deal with their pride. I know exactly, oh listen, I know exactly where they live. Did you know God knows where you live? Well, pastor, I just moved recently. Okay. Do you know that God still knows where you live? He still is very well aware of where you are. Remember, God has the last word. And that brings us to one last thought that I want us to look at today, which is truly believing what God says. Before the verses we just read in in, uh, chapter number 19, verses 22, 23, 27 through 29, Something happens. That's toward the end of that passage in 2 Kings. And we don't have time to read all the accounts, the back and forth, because it goes for more than one chapter. But there's a very important key, and I want to draw your attention to that key. God had spoken earlier through the prophet Isaiah to Hezekiah and the people about what God would do. Now listen to me. Sometimes God has already spoken to you, but because of the fear, you've lost the word that God gave you. Can I say it again? You lost the word that God gave you. How did you lose it? Through circumstances. Now here's how it played out. We don't have time to read it all. Hezekiah receives a word from Isaiah. In fact, let's read what Isaiah tells him the first time. Verses 6 and 7. How many of you know 6 and 7 is before 22 and 23? All right. So this was happened first. And Isaiah said to them, Thus you shall say to your master, Thus says the Lord. I love it when the Lord speaks. Thus says the Lord. Do not be afraid of the words which you have heard. Oh, that's for somebody this morning. How many of you need to not be afraid of the words that Satan's been whispering? Do not be afraid of the words that you have heard. With which the servants of the kings of Assyria have blasphemed me. Surely 
I will send a spirit upon him, and he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. How many of you feel like that's a word where God says it's not going to happen? Has Satan attacked you? Has God already said to you, don't worry about it, it's not going to happen? Come on now. I know the Lord's speaking to some folks this morning. What did he say? It's not going to happen. You don't need to worry about it. But here's how the circumstances work. Do you know that Satan will try to work through circumstances to to bring fear into your life? So all of a sudden, another army came up out of Ethiopia, and the king of Assyria had to retreat back to fight these other people. So he sent a second messenger, or a second time, to them and said, I want you to not think we forgot about you. How many of you sometimes know that Satan comes and says, I don't want you to think I forgot about you. It might have gotten a little better for a while, but I didn't forget about you. I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. Don't don't get confident that this is going to work out. I'm coming for you. And that second time, they became very afraid. But that time, God spoke to them that first passage that we read, but it came the second time. And he says, I'm affirming what I spoke to you. It's not anything for you to be afraid of. That's a word somebody needs to receive this morning. God is affirming to you there's no reason for fear in your life. We don't have time to read it all, but there's a passage in here which talks about, anybody ever seen a teenage girl who shakes her head at somebody? Come on now. Any of you ever had a girl, oh, some girl was, said something, she's like, mm-mm. Oh, I had a teenage girl, but you know, she's, she's getting older now. She doesn't do that kind of stuff like anymore. But you know, how many of you know, have you ever seen a teenage girl and somebody say something to them like, that's not going to happen? You're going to go out with Bobby to the such and such? Uh-uh, no way, right? It says, God says, that the virgin daughter of, Is- of Jerusalem will shake her head. Uh-uh, you're not coming here. God mocks the Assyrians. You will not come here. Wow, that's powerful. It's powerful. Because let me tell you something, friends. God already knows how it's going to end up. Now, you may not like to hear this, but God's already written the last chapter of your life. Well, I hope it's not too soon. Right? I hope it's not tomorrow. I hope I've got a few more pages left. But can I tell you, God understands the beginning and the end. The question today is, do you really believe God? The Rabshakeh of Assyria said this to Hezekiah and the people. Verse 10. Thus you shall speak to, the, to Hezekiah, king of Judah, saying, do, you, do not let your God in whom you trust deceive you, saying, Jerusalem shall not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. How many of you see it's getting much more straightforward now? You're not going to make it. You're going to die. How many of you understand that Satan starts to get a little more aggressive and he says, you're not going to make it. This isn't going to work. This waiting for God to deliver you is never going to pan out for you. But I'm here to tell you God's already given you the word that you needed. Oh, give the Lord a praise. God has already spoken to you his truth. He's already declared to you how it's going to end up. And some of you sitting here today and you're worried and saying, I'm not sure because Satan's been whispering. Don't listen to Satan's whispers. Some of you say, well, Satan's been shouting. Okay, don't listen to Satan's shouts. 
Listen to the truth that God has declared. Whose voice are you going to listen to? Oh, there was a song that used to say, whose report will we believe? We will believe the report of the Lord. We're not going to listen to the the rest of these things. We're not going to let fear work. Does anybody know that fear is a terrible thing to have? Terrible. But Scripture says God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of soundness of mind. So let's see how it actually plays out. We go to chapter 19, verses 35 through 36, and it says there, and it came to pass. Look at somebody say, it came to pass. Did you know that you can get excited about that? Because if you're going through a trial, it came, but it's going to pass. And it came to pass on a certain night that the angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000. And when people arose early in the morning, there were the corpses, all dead. So Shennacherib, king of Assyria, departed. And went away, returned home, and remained at Nineveh. Now, if we had time to read more, and we don't have time this morning, we would see that a couple of his sons, as he went into the uh, temple of his God, and he went there, they slew him and killed him and and retreated to a place in Ararat, which would be in Turkey, modern-day Turkey, and they escaped from uh, those people that were about them. And he died by the hands of his own sons. Can I tell you, God knows where people live. God knows how to deal with folks. Now, there's a promise tied into this to us today. God has been speaking and declaring. I I, I really sense this in my spirit. Sometimes in the night seasons this week. Sometimes it was during the day, but the Lord was speaking to me. I truly believe a word for this church. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Come on now. God is on your side. God's not against you. He said, I'll give the Lord a praise. He's here to build you up. This is the same word that God gave in those days. He said, you've been serving me. You've been doing what's right. Hezekiah, I'm going to take care of the city. All they came back and said, don't believe it. Hezekiah, we're going to get you. We're going to get you. Nobody's gotten away from us. Nobody's gods are big enough. Nobody's been able to defeat us. But you understand, they'd never come up against the God of all creation. And God slew 185,000 in their camp in one night. And just like the prophet Isaiah said, he put a hook in them and he drug them back to Nineveh from where they came from. Let me tell you, friends, the attack that the enemy has brought against you, God can put a hook in that and drag it back to the pit of hell from whence it came. Praise God. And if God is for us, who can be against us? As the musicians come today, as we close our time together, let me tell you, how was all of this set up? I'll tell you how it was set up. Because in the first year, in the first month, Hezekiah said, I'm going to do what was right. Now, some of you have already made that decision. Praise God. Others of you, this needs to be the day that is the first year of the first month of the rest of your life. Hello? Where you're saying, say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm going to sow the good seeds. Now, let me tell you, sowing good seeds takes a little while, but it will bring a good harvest. There is no way you can outrun the promises of God. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to face some arrogance. 
Can I tell you, you're going to walk out of the doors of this church and there's going to be some arrogant, hateful, unloving people that are going to face you and they're going to say, you can't, it's impossible, it's not possible. When Satan says you can't, God says you can. When Satan says you won't, God says you will. When Satan says it's impossible, God says in his word, nothing is impossible to them that believe. Oh, you've got to remember the promises of God. And then the final question just simply becomes, whose voice are you going to listen to today? Are you going to listen to the dynamic power of God, the word spoken, the life giver? Or are you going to listen to that fearful voice whispering in your ear? The choice is up to you today.